everybody. Remember this one? What a great song from the 70s. I used to love to listen to this song with David Allen Boucher on Magic 106.7 and dream about my 8th grade boyfriend. <laughs> he was never my boyfriend, to be honest. I just wanted him, yeah, to be my boyfriend. But as promised, we're talking divorce again this week, kids, um, and feelings. Good, bad, or different, we all have them. And we need to talk about them. I know that sounds very um, therapist-like, but believe me, I come with experience, not from doing things right, maybe from doing things wrong. Learn. Learn from me. We're also going to talk about dating and dating apps and dating over 40. Okay, kids, I have jumped into the official dating pool. (laughs) Yep, that's right, I have. And not under my fake profiles, of which there are six which still I think I will quote from them because they are still funny. But dating under my own name, not much uh, more pleasant. So we're going to talk about that. No, Nothing on the hate list this week. Well, I've been off for a couple weeks, but uh, no one called in with any uh, hates. So I'm going to bring my own right to the forefront. I thought of this yesterday and made a note. And it's women named Andrea or Andrea or Andrea. And if you know someone named Andrea, you can make damn sure if you say Andrea, they are going to correct you. And I question, like, why do we name people these names? I don't ask anyone to call me Melicia or Licia. You know, we don't make up fake pronunciations of our names. But yet some parents feel compelled to name their poor children Andrea, Andrea, Andrea. Just, I think, to set them apart and just be, you know, kind of verbally assaulted for the rest of their lives because we don't care what the pronunciation is. It's just weird. So, okay, I'm going to get off of that. Let's talk about feelings. Um, Yours and those of the person that you are um, divorcing. I mean, these are not stages. So I'm not an expert, as I like to say on most calls. I'm just someone that was married once and divorced and then widowed later on. Sounds like a sad story, but I'm doing great, kids. Um, But It's really expectations and more importantly, actions or suggestions for for y'all to take or for you to help people who are going through it to kind of react to. Also, whatever you're feeling is normal. I know that there's a lot of um, things that we put in ourselves when we go through a divorce about how we're, you know, we should feel or should act. I can remember people used to say to me all the time when I was going through mine, like, oh, you're so good. It's so you're holding it together for the kids which might have been true. I probably should have been more real with them than hiding everything. But um, though I may have been like full steams ahead in the parental side of it, the Melissa side of it was not that great. And so I think I delayed a lot of my own feelings or responses to those feelings two years into the process. So it's easy to distract ourselves, right? With things that are unpleasant and and to, to do the things that feel better to us. But I'm here to tell you, uh, Better to focus on the now than have to deal with it later on. Or maybe your potential new boyfriend, PNB. I stole that from my friend Sue. I love that. PNB. May we all have PNBs, whether divorced or widowed or PNG, potential new girlfriend, if that's your thing. All right. So let's start with euphoria. That's where we ended last time about pulling the trigger on getting divorced. Um, when we finally pull that trigger, boy, euphoric, I've made a huge decision. But what comes after is the fallout and the feelings and the opinions of everyone around you. 
So you, as the person going through the divorce, you have to filter it out. And you have to filter out the noise both coming your way and you need to check yourself, sis, on some of the things that you may be saying or doing. For example, um, you know, you call up a friend and say, can you believe that XYZ's mother said this to me? Can you believe that he said he's not going to do this? Yet it's easier for us to blame others during a divorce than to deal what we think is our perceived failure. And we're going to talk about failure as one of the feelings because have you ever been in a room where someone says, oh, you know, Bob and Jenny are getting divorced and everyone's reaction. Well, sometimes it's like, well, it's, you know, it took them too many years to do it. They should have been divorced a long time ago. But people go, oh, no, what happened? Who cheated? Who did what? Or not so much when you're in, in, your, in your 50s. I think we're more chill. But earlier, maybe late 30s or 40s, maybe we'd be a little bit more judgment and say, well, you know, she was never home. She chose her career first or he was always hitting on girls no matter where he went. There is a judgment because we were part of those conversations. So when we're getting divorced now later, you know, into the marriage 20 years plus, we fear what we know other people are saying. But you got to put it aside. As I've said this many times before, I think one of my superpowers is that I can tell a couple that hates each other. Now, that's not really a superpower. If you just pay attention, you could see it too. We know these couples. We know that they don't talk to each other. They don't go anywhere together. They're always out with the guy friends or the girlfriends, never together. And for whatever reason they stay together, I'm not going to judge that. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's religious that they're together. But we know who hates each other. And so the choice when you're going through all these feelings, fear, rejection, all of it, your choice is to then live in that independent house where you're just out with your girlfriends, you have financial security, but you also have the burden of hatred. Hatred for the person living in your house, hatred for the person that's sleeping either beside you or down the hall, and you know, kind of your own, I'm not going to say happiness because you know I'm not into like saying personal happiness is the thing, but your own peace of mind. You want to live day to day hoping the day will go well, hoping that no one gets in a fight, hoping we don't say bad things to each other, or, you know, we pull the trigger, which, you know, hopefully some of you have done if that's the case. It is normal to be angry. You just got to find a place to put it. And where you put that anger, and I will say this from my own experience, is not from the people around your situation. It's not on the parents or the grandparents or your sister or your friends that may have said something bad about your husband or, you know, and I told you so moment, or you want to say, you know, you pushed me into marrying him to your parents. I never should have done it. It's your fault. You'll look back on these comments one day and realize that you're ridiculous. It's natural to feel them, but get your grief journal, get a hate journal, find a therapist. Don't burn up the relationships that you have because you're angry which is within your complete right. I would highly recommend an hour walk every day or the Calm app, app if you're like a sitter. But if the more that you move, one of the benefits I think of getting separated or divor- divorced is the loss of weight if you need to lose weight. It was the best diet I was ever on. And my brother-in-law said to me, you know, you're going to gain that back. I'm like, no way. Then the middle you, minute you fall in love with somebody else, you know, there you are in the Chick-fil-A line and there's no, there's no looking back. So it's okay to be angry. 
Um, it's okay to have those feelings. Just don't put them on people or places that you may regret later. These are the people that are helping you. Um, the past three weeks have been great. I have been traveling a lot for work. I particularly enjoy the fact that it was compressed within like three trips over a four week period to get it, you know, all done with. And what makes it even all the better is I was, uh, traveling with people that I like, that I work with and I like. It makes all the difference in the world, liking where you work, um, and with people that you like, which this all has a point. You're like, Melissa, speed it up. I'm getting there. Um, I used to work at a place, which I will be fondly refer to as the worst employer on earth. Um, and I never, I was getting divorced at the time that I worked there, worked there and I never talked about it, never told anyone. And that was my decision because I knew I would be judged. I knew people that worked there. I knew the environment. You were only valued, and it's still this place to, you know, way today, you were only valued by the number of years that you put in. So you could bring in a superstar that had unbelievable talent. Oh, I'm sorry. You haven't been here for 17 years. You don't get promoted. But it was, it was a place where you, you could not bring it. It would have hurt me. I know that it would have hurt me. Um, and the only person I told was my admin on the day I was going to get divorced. And she's like, what? You know, obviously after I was divorced, it, you know, came out, I would say I'm divorced. I just didn't bring it to work. And it taught me a valuable lesson. There's a woman that worked there, fake name, I'll call her Bertha, that was going through a very public divorce at the same time. She would be on the phone pacing outside my office all day long on the phone. Her husband, she was in an alimony position, so her husband, you know, would be boxing her out of something and the house had to be sold and there was all these calls. When I tell you without a word of exaggeration, this went on for like four months straight. And when people would say, hey, does Bertha do anything? You know, that because everyone had been there 105 years working, they'd be like, well, she's going through a divorce. Like, go, go through your divorce outside of work. Do not bring it to work because although the, you know, the buzzword, we have to be our true authentic selves, which I think is complete bullshit and doesn't exist, as you know, you don't need to bring this to work. And here's why. I judged that person. I watched how she mishandled every step of her life because she was pacing and yelling at people all day long outside of my office, didn't have the ability to compartmentalize, deal with it on personal time or take time off, drew everyone who would listen into the situation around her and everyone judged her. And hey, good or bad, it's true. It just didn't belong there. And as a result, later in her career, she had no advocates because we already saw how you dealt with the crisis. We already saw your reactions, the crying, the breakdowns. Now, that's not to say you can't have them, you know, do it in the right place. But it was really kind of a no-go. And so I think, you know, there are opportunities at work where you can talk about this stuff. If you're in a room with trusted people and someone brings it up or is willing to share it, that is great. Because I think that when there's one person that comes forward and says, oh, you know, I'm getting divorced or I'm divorced, other people in the room that may not have shared it will share it if they feel it's a trusting environment, which I think is awesome. I just don't think that the workplace is the place you want to bring four months of emotional breakdowns and personal phone calls. It it just doesn't it just doesn't belong there. And I don't think you can bring your two, true authentic self to work because it's work. You're there for money. If I brought my true authentic self to, to work, like you know, I'd be in a clown car with big shoes and 
flowers that shot off water because isn't that really who I am? Okay, let's move on to fear. Fear of the unknown, fear of failure, fear of rejection. And the fear of rejection is actually exacerbated if you've been cheated on, especially if you think that you've been a decent human being and provider and mom or dad. You will say to yourself, why? Why is this happening to me? It doesn't matter why. You're never going to get to the truth if you're not the person that is, you know, asking for the divorce. If someone else walks out or whatever, there was an article in the New York Times actually recently. It was an opinion column about a woman who got went into lockdown. Some of you might have seen this with her husband and they went to their Martha's Vineyard house. They were there one week and he's like, I'm out. And then he, you know, backstory had an affair left. She never found out why. He never gave her any of that info, which is frustrating. I, you know, had similar things in my own situation that I wanted to know the answers to, and I'll never get them, and it doesn't matter. It matters to you now as you're going through it or if a friend's going through it, but the details are just not going to matter if the marriage is truly severed. You are going to die trying. This was part of, you know, an episode that Jill and I had done, um, you know, one of the first ones we did, she was my first guest and we were killing ourselves laughing about, you know, my investigative work. We never ended up um, <laughs> releasing that one, but I did some really stupid things trying to find out, you know, who was it, where was it, and when, and what a waste of time. I wish I could get all that time back. So it's just my advice to you. It's fun to have activities when you're anxious and you're getting divorced and you can dedicate yourself to like, you know, finding out this, this, and that it doesn't matter. In the end, it, it just doesn't matter. Take that time. It's natural, you know, to feel this way. Take the time. Don't beat yourself up. And But to also don't over-compartmentalize. Work through it. And I know that sounds so mumbo-jumbo-y, but you have to set aside time. It, for me, it used to be when I went to bed, I used to think about like three things. And I'd play out the whole situation to the end. Even just thinking about that, like people that done me wrong, people that didn't support me. And, you know, I'd kind of like have a little rehearsal in my head about what would happen if I did meet that person. What would I say? And you know what? I would say nothing. I just kind of worked it out and did the play in my head. And and that was enough. But find those times for you to work it out, to deal with the fear, and to a trusted friend or therapist or family member. It's okay to say you're scared. It's super scary when you're getting divorced because as we know, the family is a corporation. And when we split the corporation in two, the balance sheet is not the same. And so as a single person, there is a lot that goes into how will I manage? Where will I live? It's overwhelming. Chunking it out a little at a time helps, but dealing with it constructively is better. So take your anger, take your fear, go to the treadmill, call up your girlfriend, have a couple martinis, and then the next day, pick it up, pick it up and move on. So I agree, easier said than done, but I'm really just here for the, you know, cliff notes. Defeat. Defeat, why me? Why is the world against me? And during this defeat kind of emotional time, you will start bargaining with yourself. You'll start saying, well, maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought. It's better than being alone. But is it? I've talked about, you know, the couples that we can sniff out that hate each other. You know them too. They've rationalized, they've bargained. And is it worth it? You know, it's going to take time to deal with that defeated kind of emotion. And 
ironically for men, I did a little bit of research on this for men. This is the, the feeling that they feel the most because men, and we can see this in, in the workplace too. Women will walk into a meeting, say it's a 30 minute meeting and chit chat for 15 and then get productive for 10 and it will be like a day's worth of work <laughs> where guys are more driven. They're not bringing handbag shopping and you know, how are the kids? They're not bring, bringing that to work. I find that like maybe it's a stereotype. Men are just more driven to the job. They're ego driven to their success. And in a divorce, they see it as defeat, defeat of themselves, which is why ironically they rematch so quickly because I might've failed at this thing, but look at me over here with this new chick, which also makes me laugh. And this will tie into to dating, but like, look at Jeff Bezos and the girl that he has, like Dick Van Dyke, for God's sakes, has a wife that's 30 years younger than him. So does Carol Burnett, by the way. So shout out to her. She found a guy younger than her. But we know that's money-driven, right? Like Jeff Bezos just didn't get good-looking overnight. <laughs> just She was like, I love your pocketbook. And it makes me laugh when I see mostly the men, they're seeking or with younger women. But again, let's lie in our beds. Let's play that out. You're 55 as a man. You are looking for a girl, 35. Awesome. Now she's 45. You're 65. How are you going to like explain Medicare enrollment to her? How's that going to go? When she still wants to go out and do her thing, you know, she's young. And you're 65. Play it another 55. I'm 55. I'm feeling great. I feel young. And my my, you know, rich looking now husband is 75. Yeah, he, he can't even walk, you know, from the end of the mall into the mall at this point. So it's always curious to me, the male like replacement gene and must be younger, must be younger. Um, but again, don't rationalize. Don't bargain. It's going to take time to go through, but work through it. You need feedback. As you know, I am an advice taker. I will take advice. I like feedback. As we talked about earlier on in the podcast, I had a friend that came and said, like, pick yourself up and like, move on, sister. You do need people to say either it's okay. You know, I have friends that say it sucks that Mark's dead. And we sit around and talk about how much it sucks. I love that. It does. And I feel good afterwards. I don't hide from it because I have found with the hands that I've been dealt, if I talk about it, I will feel better. And you can wallow. It is okay to feel bad for yourself. A hundred percent. You want to take to your bed? You want to take to the mall? Whatever your thing is, take it. It sucks. It is awful. And if you want to feel bad for yourself, do it. Just don't get stuck. Don't let yourself get stuck. And to me, stuck is, is measured in time. So the first six months are a whirlwind of crazy emotions. Nothing's going to change. Nine months, the same thing. I think, and this isn't grief too, grief of a death of a loved one. I find grief to be very comfortable because it's something that I have experienced so intensely over the past year. I can drive down the street and having a great day and break down crying, thinking about it, you know? But I find myself feeling comfortable because that's something that's been around. I need, I am making changes now. To, to move, not away, just to move forward. Mark will always be with me. And this is the same thing when you get divorced. 
that person is always a part of your history, especially if you had kids. But you can move ahead and still have the memories of all of, you know, the good and the bad. It's just whether you get stuck in it. I think we all have a friend, right, that got divorced and all they talk about to this day is the divorce. And like, who cares? But they're stuck in it. They love it. They love the intensity or the drama with it. And it's funny, I was talking to a healthcare professional recently and I said, hey, I think I'm going to go do this thing. Like someone owes me something and I'm going to go get it. And they said to me, nope, no, you're not. And I said, why? And they said to me, because you are at your best in a crisis. And for the past, you know, three months, you've had no crisis and you don't know what to do. You're uncomfortable with the chill. And that was so true. I never even thought about it. So don't create the crisis. Don't create the drama. Get through it. You know, it's going to take a year, I think, emotionally to kind of settle down. Use your friends. Get the feedback. You will be happy again. You will be fine. But don't, friends, don't say those to your friends. <laughs> if they ask you for help, don't say those things. I'm telling you, divorces, you will be happy again. But friends of people getting divorced, be super specific. What are you feeling today? On a scale of one to 10, what do you feel today? That's my water glass. What are you thinking about? What's the thing that's bothering you most this week? People love to ask, answer direct questions. And as humans, we want to placate. It's okay. You'll be fine. But ask, you know, ask the questions that you know will get the person to open up. So those are the feelings. Just a couple we're talking about this week. Fear, defeat, and anxiety. Ever present. Ever present. Okay, kids, let's get on to dating. So, Melissa, let's interview you. Okay, Melissa, please go on. What made you decide that you wanted to, you know, jump back in the game? Thank you so much for answering. So when I was, um, I spent a lot of time alone. I have friends, I go out, I have a wonderful job and coworkers. It's not that my life is not fulfilled, but I do spend a lot of time alone. On um, the weekends, Sunday, here I am, you guys are probably out doing fun things, maybe having a frosé and I'm sitting at my table, you know, throwing down a podcast. But it, I do spend a lot of time alone and I don't enjoy it. Can I be alone? Hell yeah. I went away on vacation last week. My sister and my brother-in-law were also with me. We were all on Cape Cod, but they were in their own location. And I spent a couple of days by myself. They went home and I was okay with it. It was, you know, I had to do some yard work and I walked and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And giving myself the old, you go girl, you go girl. Yeah. Okay. This girl was like, you know what? I need a friend. <laughs> I need someone or want someone that wants to do the fun stuff with me because I like to go explore. I've never met a tour bus I didn't love. I've never met a museum I didn't want to spend time in. I love all of that stuff, but I'm just not going to do it by myself. Now you're going to say, why, Melissa, you can do it. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to do it by myself. And I found myself getting stuck in the comfort of, you know, grief. And so I told people about it. I did not hide it. I did not make, because we have to take the stigma out of online dating. We have to stop making people feel bad about it. Or like, you know, there's so many ways that you can validate who someone is through social media, online, or whatever. So this is what I decided to do. 
I decided to go on two apps, eHarmony, and then I went on Bumble. And a friend of a friend told me about Bumble and said, um, it's because women control it. You can actually put yourself incognito and you would only see guys and they couldn't like like you. And so the way that Bumble works, at least, is that guys can scroll through and like you. They go into a queue. You have to like them before you can message him or her, but the girl has to go first. So I kind of liked that. I kind of liked it until I was getting, and I'm not going to be, I'm not going to exaggerate. Say it was like four people that went into my queue. I would wait, oh, you know, I, you know, that I liked. There was plenty, not plenty, but let's say 12 that I was like, no, people with parrots, guys without the shirts. I'm repulsed. I'm sorry to say with facial hair. It just is repulsive to me. Mark had a goatee or Van Dyke. I liked it. It's these beards that down to the chest. It's gross. All I can see is their toast in there. I don't want any of that. So that was, that would be a no. Um, but I would, someone would go into my queue and I would message them. Now, the way that it works is I can like somebody, they like me, I have 24 hours to respond. Either one of us can extend another 24 hours on Bumble if the other person doesn't, you're busy, you don't have time. I had to learn all this through YouTube, you guys. Like, I'm good with an app, but half the buttons, I didn't know what they were. I'm like, screw it, I don't know. And so this one guy, which I thought, you know, this is, looks good. I like him, he like me. I didn't get a chance to message, he extended. And I write, oh, thanks, you know, Bob, for extending. Sorry, you know, blah, blah, blah. No response, none. No response. So I'm like, that's weird. Then it happens again. Then I get this one guy named Colton, Colt, and I sent his picture to my friend Lisa, and I was like, look how good looking this guy is. He liked me. I liked him. I messaged him the next day, and instantly I'm, he must have deleted and blocked me. So you have to have a tough skin, right? You can't be sensitive because you don't know why people do, and I've done it to plenty of people myself. So you don't know why they're doing what they're doing. Maybe they're afraid. Maybe they're cheaters. There's a lot of cheaters there, and they'll say, one of them said, I know I shouldn't be here. I'm in a loveless marriage. I'm just hoping to find someone else that understands. I want to find that guy and punch him right in the face. What a coward. Well, divorce her, Mr. Cheater. Anyways, I digress. Come to find out that Colton was actually a catfish. Now, I don't have time to explain that. You guys can look that up on your own. But I found him on Bumble three other times under three different ages and three different names. So the little rule follower that I am reported him to the Bumble authorities. <laughs> whatever. But here's the funny story. So there's a guy on Bumble. I liked his pictures. I started messaging this guy and he responded. The thing that stood out in my mind right away is the guy had a really firm grasp of grammar. A lot of people aren't good at spelling. As you know, I have an obsession with uh, punctuation. So because I am direct, right? And in my mind, I'm thinking, can we just cut to the chase? Because if I find out like you like casinos, or you cheated on your wife, or you went to jail, all the things. Like, I just want to get that out of the way. So I kind of came into the chat, guns a-blazing. So we're going back and forth, good grammar, how are you, all very surface, blah, blah, blah. And this went on for like 24 hours. So I say to this guy, I'm like, listen, can we just dedicate like 30 minutes tomorrow? It was on a Sunday. And we could just go back and forth, just like with, you ask me a question, I'll ask you a question. After 30 minutes, if we both think there's something there, then let's go out. But I just don't like the slow drag. So he writes back like, okay. 
never hear anything. And that was two weeks ago. So I'm like, whatever. Bye, Felicia. It doesn't matter to me. So yesterday I'm sitting with my son and his girlfriend and they highly recommend Hinge. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to sign up for Hinge. And uh, that's their tagline is the one app we want you to delete so you can, you know, get a boyfriend and get off. And I will say, so, you know, I started talking to a guy. His name is George. And he seemed, you know, nice because he posted pictures with him and his kids. So I thought that was all right. And so, you know, we're texting back and forth, talking back and forth in the app. Seems normal. Um, Spelled lose L-O-O-S-E. But I'm like, all right, Melissa, keep your mind open. My friend said to me, open your heart. My heart is open. So we end the conversation. And my red flag was, he's like, do you ever go over to Encore Casino? (laughs) Absolutely not. And apparently he didn't read my profile where it says, if you're into casinos, pass me by. But he's like, oh, there's a really good restaurant there and blah, blah, blah. So he goes, what are you doing tonight? I said, oh, I'm going out with friends for dinner. And he goes, oh, I'm going out with my son and their girlfriend tonight for dinner. I go, all right, well, let's touch base, you know, tomorrow, whatever. And we can recap the evening. So he, I got home around 10 and he had messaged me already that said, I hope you had a good night. I went to the yard house with blah, blah, blah. And um, I had three Johnny Walker Reds because we had been talking about what's your favorite drink. And he goes, I feel tipsy. Oh my God. I'm like, no, I can't. I can't open my heart. I can't keep my mind open. Tipsy George. And he goes, and I go to bed really early because, and I said, well, you you probably are tired from the three Johnny Walkers you had. And he goes, I work really hard, you know. I get, that's not even a red flag. That's like a, you know, a red fire. You know, we all work hard, George. And you're whining to me in your tipsy state about how hard you work and you deserve it. So I'm like, I'm going to put, you know, good goodbye. But I didn't delete him. I woke up this morning at 730 and there was a message from him that was like, good morning. I go to bed really early, but I get up really early. Like, I don't need these details. And this guy's got three daughters, which no offense is put off to me. They're all going to hate me. So when your dad's dating someone, there's a lot of women around and they feel bad about mom. Like it was already like, forget it. I'm not going to do it. But I should have. The, the right thing to do was probably to say to George, you know what? This is a little bit too much. Goodbye. But I did the cowardice thing. Delete and block and seeing goodbye. So that was George. Other things that I have run into before I tell you the good end of the story. So um, eHarmony, I had someone came to me and I'm in paywalls, by the way, I'm paying for all of these for one month. eHarmony, I had someone reach out to me. They were younger than me. And he said, I said, you realize I'm five years older than you. And he was like, yep. And he goes, and you realize I'm bald. Does that bother you? And I thought that was funny. And we went back and forth, but I, I asked one question, where do your kids live? And he said, they live with their mother. And I said, oh, you know, my, when I got divorced, my kids lived with me too because they were like, you're getting divorced, so you're not disrupting my life, which I, you know, kids have a say. So I understand what a kid's choice would be. And he's like, yeah, he goes, they would just rather be with her than not me. And I'm like, oh, God. So I, I didn't respond. I just didn't respond to, to that. And obviously I never heard from him again. But I think people are going to show you who they are. They are. I mean, I, and hopefully we can weed out this, the serial killers or whatever, but... I'm not going to meet anyone, don't worry, in a dark alley that I can't run through Toothfinder or something. But, you know, it's kind of like a half start, a half stop, a half start, a half stop. You must dedicate time to it, though. It's not an everyday thing. For me, it's Wednesday nights and Sundays. I pay attention to it because it is a lot of work. It is. Let me tell you who's popped into my queues, though. People that want to meet me. 
Okay, number one was a man that was polyamorous. Had to look it up. There was three letters after polyamorous. No thank you, Craig. No thank you. The other one was an adorable couple from Vermont looking for an open-minded, like person to them who doesn't live in Boston. They don't live in Boston, but they, they visit frequently. So they were looking for a third. If you see my picture, the only thing missing from it is an apple pie. I am like an L.L. Bean catalog spokesmodel. I, I know I'm judging. It's just not for me. Then I had Raj. Raj came into the queue and I read his profile. And one of the things said that he must be able to lift his date. Now, there is a lot of fat shaming, I will say, on dating apps. I understand I understand people have a certain body type. They're probably leaving, you know, a wife that wore a house coat and couldn't tie her shoes. I understand it, but they put it right out there. You know, fit. I'm fit. I hope you are too. This guy says I have to, to lift you. This guy had a comb over that started right above his ear. Raj, 48, right over his ear and combed it right over. Why is that okay? And someone's fat ass isn't. Like the guy has a comb over. And so I wish women, when you're doing your dating profiles, I wish there was wish there was a reciprocal that we could do to these guys must be fit. I hope you're athletic. And everyone wants to travel, by the way. I want to go to Greece. I want to go to Italy. I want to go here. Well, dude, like if, why are you on this dating app? If you have that kind of cash or, or are you looking to go to those places on, on my bank account? I don't know. But the things that I have seen are fat, insults to in their profiles 90 percent of the guys are either shirtless with a fish it's not a joke they're posing with a fish or weightlifting pictures that's more than anything and guys that one guy like took just a shot of his neck you know i'm touching my shoulder between my neck just showing that muscle that's great like i'm so happy for you where is that relevant though does that make you a good boyfriend no, it makes you fit. Awesome. Congrats. It's so off-putting to me. I And they wonder, I wonder why there's so many of these guys on the site. Maybe someone should help them. But I think guys with their pictures in their recliners holding up the camera as they're lying in the recliner or all the bathroom selfies, they're just embarrassed. They don't know who to ask to take the pictures. But get a trusted friend. Take Have them take pictures of you or help you pick out a nice picture, help you write your profile. Dating is a team sport. We're not going to squirrel away and go on a secret date. Um, yeah, so there we have it. There, there we have it. There's my experience thus far. And then last night, I get home after George had, you know, sent me his three-drink fiasco. And there's a, another like in my queue on Hinch. And who is it but the same guy that I matched with on Bumble? that I said, can we just take 30 minutes and like have at it? And he writes, hey, it's me, his name. We matched on Bumble, exclamation point. And I wrote, oh my God, I thought you gave up on me. And he said, no, he goes, but I told you I'm not a good texter. And then you were like, let's have this 30 minute text thing. And he goes, I just knew I couldn't keep up. I burst out laughing because that is me. I am a lot. I am a lot in my desire to just like, let's get, let's figure out what's going on and make a list and move on. I'm like, this guy's actually going to give him a break. He, and I said, listen, I go, I will definitely tone it down. But this is, this is karma. Twice we have matched on two different places. Let's go out for a drink. Team, I'm going on a date this week. Can you believe it? 
I know. I'm not telling a lot of people. I'm just going to use it as a way to see if you're paying attention to the podcast. Text me. Now, don't worry. I'm not going to be assaulted. I don't need anyone sitting there with me. I have done my homework. No need to freak out. I will make sure I notify someone when I'm back. But I would like to thank my son and his girlfriend for teaching me the app. I would highly recommend it. I would recommend it over eHarmony. So anyone that's looking to date or you're advising your friends, eHarmony is a very finite funnel. So I've been on there for two weeks. There's only 14 guys because I have very strict filters of what I want. No, I'm not perfect. I just know what I don't want. And that's casinos, alcoholics, people that went to jail, and people that are looking for someone to pay and finance their lifestyle. Believe me, the funnel is small. So the same 12 guys are always there. I haven't liked any of them. And maybe one or two come in new per week. I think the paywall might just be too expensive, but then I think that makes them a good catch. I have not um, found any success there. So that would be a zero. Bumble, I would put at like a six out of 10. It's okay. They have this travel mode. So when you travel, it goes with you. So it looks like, you know, <laughs> you're looking for love in every state you go to. I don't like that fact. I get sent because there's not a lot of inventory either on Bumble. And I truly believe it's because guys are not, certain guys are not tech savvy. They don't know how to figure it out. Hey, I needed my kids to help me. So, but I did like Hinge. I think that it's pretty easy to use. It's a lot of inventory there. And in my case, I had a comparison match with the same guy on two different places. So you can be rest assured, I will be reporting back on my success, my successes or maybe my failures. Don't forget to send in your hate list items so we can have some more for next week. And next week I am debuting finally the Middle Age Roundtable. Talk to you soon, everybody.